You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. How is everyone doing? Oh, sorry to hear that. (laughs) No, hopefully everyone is hanging in there. Keep on keeping on as we uh, hopefully move another step closer. Maybe a small step, but a step all the same. Closer to getting through all this. Of course, the number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter. On Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question. Did I put the daily poll question up for today? I'm not even sure. i got to check my uh, my accounts here. But the daily poll question will be up momentarily. And I did. It's up. It's rolling. It's ready to vote. We'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, a lot of stuff to do today. As, of course, you know the deal. We, uh, of course, have one hour. Run through it all. We start with the headlines, which features something other than Major League Baseball for a change. Hey, how about that? Actually involves the NBA. As Adrian Wojnarowski reported yesterday, participants on a Board of Governors call with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver left the virtual meeting feeling increasingly positive about the league's momentum towards a resumption of play this season, sources told ESPN. I'm just assuming Woj was just on the call under an alias. Adrian Bojdorowski. Um Owners and executives on the call were encouraged about the league's progress towards minimizing risk, the health risks for players upon a return. And the league offices positive conversations with the NBA Players Association about the players' desire to eventually restart the season. So when this whole thing started, and let's be honest, right, the NBA was the one that kind of, for many of us, had the come-to-Jesus moment. I think a lot of people, when they had heard about coronavirus, had heard about the, the dangers and concerns and all these things, and it can be drilled into your head all you want, but up until the moment the NBA season got shut down, I don't think a lot of us, I know for myself anyway, I did not take it all that seriously. But then when that, I mean, when that moment happens and the NBA says we're shutting it down until further notice. And at that point, while testing was very difficult, right? So it was kind of tough to, to really rely on the numbers all that much. But at that point, when Rudy Gobert tested positive, there were only about 1,200, 1,300 positive cases that had been tested in the United States. So, I mean, that, that tells you, um, to, to, to get to that level that quickly. I think that that was the moment that a lot of us changed our opinions about the seriousness of uh, the pandemic. So the NBA seems like that they are more optimistic. But since this moment happened of uh, the NBA shutting down, just based on where we are in the calendar year, it's always been very hard for me to envision the NBA. I felt like they were, along with the NHL, based on where they are in their season – what they would need to do to come back, and the amount of games that they would still have to play, right? It's not like they're in the middle of the playoffs. It's not like it's the NFL where there's not that many playoff games. You're talking about playoff series. Even if you were you know, whittle the playoff series down to a best of five or even a best of three, that's still a lot of games left to play if you're going to play under the normal format. Woj also saying the discussion centered on health and safety concerns, including the goal of getting team officials and players comfortable with the idea that one positive test 
will not shut down the league again, right? Unlike the, I guess, the Rudy Gobert situation, right? All it took was that one positive test to have the league shut things down and not really have any idea at that point. They made it clear. Until we have some more facts, we're not going to know when we might, if we might, be able to resume the season. My question for that is, why is this different? And also, like, it's easy to say that one positive test won't shut down the league, but is that very realistic? Because I'll tell you, it's all well and good. The UFC has come back. Golf seems like it's going to come back. NASCAR is going to come back. But when one of these team sports comes back, there is going to be a lot of talk, a lot of focus on whether or not this is the right decision. And there will be a lot of criticism about whether or not this is going to be the right decision. Now, I think that the NBA probably would get less criticism because it just seems to be covered more favorably than Major League Baseball. But they will still have, if they are the first ones to come back, there will be criticism. So if it turns out that they come back and the league is basically saying that one test, one positive test won't shut down the league. And if they were to approach it that way, that one pot, well, then you probably shouldn't come back at all. Because if you come back, there's probably somebody somewhere who is going to test positive as a result. But I would just say, I don't think that it's very realistic to say that one positive test won't shut down the league because then the question has to become, well, if it's not one, how many is it? Is it two? Is it five? Is it 10? Because trust me, if the league comes back, there will be plenty of people criticizing the NBA's decision to come back. And if within the first week or so, someone does, someone within the league does test positive, a player, I think that the cries for, you know, let's shut it, shut it down, shut it down, I think that that's going to uh, be all the louder. And whether or not the NBA can deal with the uh, public relations nightmare that that would be, I think that's very tough to to say sitting here right now that, well, you know what, one positive test won't shut down the league. Uh, among the other things in Woj's report, the uh, league is looking to have standardized tests for all 30 teams, so all teams are handling things the right way. Uh, the league has also been focused on understanding the trajectory of new cases in states that are going to reopen, and it looks like, at least in terms of the training facilities, that the plan is to have, I think it's 22 or 23 teams training facilities opened by Monday and they're going to continue to study you know kind of understand who's getting ill who's getting severely ill and why and you know development in in the testing types and they're going to study this over the next two to four weeks which I know that the overall thing seems to be that everybody's being more optimistic about the NBA's return the fact that they're going to study this over the next two to four weeks that's another month off the calendar and it just seems like they're running out of time unless they were to find themselves in a situation where they feel comfortable about wrapping up one season and then immediately starting another. I just don't see how this is all going to work without impacting the following year in some way. All right, so here's Woj. He was on the Michael K. show yesterday and said that Adam Silver wants to salvage this season. Listen, I think Adam Silver is very determined to find a way um, to, have, to salvage some kind 
of the season. The only thing I'm confident about is I don't think they'll decide it in the month of May. I think they'll, they'll likely decide it in June. But practice facilities have reopened, uh, which isn't necessarily a precursor to, okay, now we're going to open training camps. It was like this is a healthy environment for mental health of players. This to get them back in the building that they thought it had a benefit. And, and, and talking to people around the league, they think it's it served that Um but I listen. I do think there's motivation to be the first league back, or and and but even more than that to be the first league to do it uh, successfully. All right. So Adam Silver has a desire to salvage the season. Which you, I mean, that makes sense, right? the The bigger question, I guess, the next question would be the do the players. And there was this poll being conducted uh, amongst the players that said, yeah, they do they do still want to resume and complete the season so what does that poll mean i think even for the union what they need to know is a little bit like what you're seeing with baseball show us what the actual proposal is to return the play i think this is kind of getting into some headspace right now on where guys are but i don't think this is meant to serve as a well if it's over this percentage or this percentage i think what it'll be is a sense of where their where their group is and then how they need to proceed you know, a lot of, I think, players, and understandably, they want to, They don't have the answers about the levels of safety, about where it's going to be. Adam Silver had some details for them on that call Friday. One or two sites don't want you guys flying around the country in this, office, in this uh, resumption part and will largely keep you in one or two places. And uh, that's some detail, but there's not the bigger questions about – You know, what happens when a player tests positive? What happens if a staff member tests positive? What happens if I test positive? Um, And and, uh, how limiting will the environment be? Can we go out? Can we not go out of it? So lots of questions, still very few answers. And I think the union gets a better sense of maybe where some of its players or most of its players, you know, what they're thinking right now. All right, so there's Adrian Wojnarowski on the K-Show yesterday and the NBA issues is it seems like there is still optimism within the league to resume and complete this season. Then you have, of course, Major League Baseball and the Players Association there. They got together yesterday to discuss their issues after the owners came up with their proposal to the players. Among the items addressed yesterday, they include the timing and logistics for the second spring training. Potential rule changes. How about that universal DH? Roster sizes, transaction rules, you know, all the things that don't really matter. (laughs) The things that don't really seem like they would be much of a stumbling block, which I guess maybe that's a good starting point, right? If you have this one issue, which is pretty protracted and seems like it could shut down the whole thing, well, maybe don't start there. Let's start with the things that we do agree with. The good bulk of the meeting, according to reports, uh, revolved around testing protocols, which is important, obviously. Contract uh, tracing and response procedures in case of positive tests. Details for much of the health and safety concerns will be relayed to the association in the coming days. Okay, look, that's important. But, of course, the big hurdle, the major hurdle, not even a hurdle. it's It's a high jump. Maybe it's not even a high. It's a pole vault is the issue of money come it's already come up it's already been talked about ever since major league baseball's owners have floated this idea of a 50 50 revenue split and you know that that's going to be a non-starter for the uh, players association 
So there's a lot to work through there before they can even – until you come up with an agreement on that, it's all well and good to focus on whatever you want to focus on. But without getting that resolved, or at least it seems like uh, moved in some sort of positive direction, all the other stuff doesn't really seem all that important. So then yesterday, after our show was over, Golik and Wingo, who come up at 6 o'clock, had on Mark Teixeira to get his thoughts about – what was uh, going to happen here? Mark, not very optimistic about the prospects of, of playing baseball this season. But I guess the, the headline of his comments were about the 50-50 revenue split. Is that going to be a non-starter for the Players Association? Well, historically, it absolutely is a non-starter. And I've been on those phone calls, you know, during labor negotiations. And, you know, the Major League Baseball Players Association has a very strict stance about, uh, you know, salary caps and, and revenue splitting. And they want an open market. They want a free market. And, and they're right. You know, in any other year, if this was a negotiation, the players would hold firm. And, you know, I'd be behind them 100%. Unfortunately, with these crazy times and, and this economic disaster that we have in our country, the owners just can't afford to open up the game and pay players a full fare when they're only going to be getting pennies on the dollar back for every game played. So, unfortunately, I think both sides are right here. Owners are not going to play this season losing a boatload of money, and players are going to hold firm because – that's what they've always done. They've always held firm together and, and basically said, we're not going to take you know, the owners giving us a, a raw deal here when it comes to finances. All right. So there's Mark Teixeira there. He also went on to be asked, where are you in the MLB proposal? Well, uh, you know, we all are commending Major League Baseball for putting this out there and, and trying to make something work. But I have it less than 50-50 that we're playing. I don't see all of the health and logistical issues getting worked out as well as the financial issues. So I would say I'm more pessimistic than not. All right, so there's Mark uh, not thinking all that positively about the possibility of a season this year. So for him, is money or health the bigger issue? I think it's going to be way more on the money side. And we do not want to downplay the health risks. That being said, you know, mostly 20- and 30-year-old players that are healthy, that are young, you know, they want to go work. Uh, and I think you see people all over this country, you know, there's a lot of people, hey, just let me work. I, you know, I'll put the risk on myself. I'll sign whatever you want me to sign. All right. And then, Mark, will negotiations weigh more on the money side? I do. If, if okay. you think about this, if, if you're a New York Yankee right now with, with arguably the best team you've had in a decade – and have a chance to win a World Series, and Aaron Boone calls you up and says, hey, I need you to report to spring training. We're starting the season July 1st. You're going to show up because, because you're a teammate, and all it takes is a few players to say they're showing up, and then the, the peer pressure of, hey, man, we need you, we need you, we need you. Everyone's going to start making phone calls, and you're going to show up to spring training because that's, that's our job. Baseball players are paid to play. My manager and my teammates call me up. I'm going to be a good teammate, and I'm going to show up for them. All right, and then finally, what will make this proposal work, according to Mark Teixeira? Well, listen, from, from a player's standpoint, I, I want 100% of my salary for every game played. But unfortunately, these are unprecedented times. 
and the owner's 50-50 split is not unreasonable. If you really think about where the finances of baseball have gone, the players are actually getting less than 50% of the revenue in the sport from a, in a regular season. If, if we didn't have a, you know, a pandemic this year and played 162 games, the players would have actually gotten less than 50%. So the owners themselves, they're making the best offer that they can make, and I think it's a very reasonable offer. And I think players need to understand just this one time, one time in the history of, of the union since Kurt Flood, they can bend a little bit and say, you know what, we're going to do what's best for the sport, what's best for the country. There's people out there that are risking their lives on the front lines. There are people that are losing their jobs, losing their savings. And we know this might not be a great deal for us, but it's better than sitting home and not playing baseball at all. All right, so that's the real clip that uh, kind of went viral of Mark Teixeira saying that the owner's 50-50 split is not unreasonable. So that kind of ties into our poll question today. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. If Major League Baseball and the union, who met yesterday about the issues, if the season were to be canceled over money, who do you think would look worse? Very simple, either the players or... Or the owners. Don't give me both. Don't give me neither. Don't give me that. I don't care. I don't. Don't give me. It's not going to be about my. If if the season is canceled over money, who will look worse? So we'll get more of uh, the thoughts of. Uh, I got some thoughts on what Teixeira said yesterday and the reaction, the visceral reaction to what Mark Teixeira said. We've been talking a lot. Uh, we do the first segment here, all about the headlines while you were. Sleeping. So the NBA clearly is one of the big ones as they had a little get together yesterday, the Board of Governors. And it seems like there is still optimism surrounding a return this season. I guess to me, it's going to depend on just what time frame are you talking about? Because already it's not like they're gearing up all that close to returning anyway. And they are most impacted by the timing of everything to try and return. So unless you are now saying that either you're going to cut down the playoffs dramatically from what they ordinarily would be or and or push next season to a much further timeline than what would ordinarily be, you know, right around November 1st, I just don't see how you're going to be able to squeeze that in. The other issue that they have is while the optimism might be high, what happens when there is that first positive test. And I think all the leagues have to be asking themselves, what do you do? You know, what, what's the plan? Because if you are returning to action, if it's baseball, NBA, football, whoever, even the, the, the one-on-one sports, even the, the individual sports, I think you have to have a plan in action to say, all right, what's going to happen when there is that positive test? Because it's going to happen anytime you have more than a few people getting together. And and even for the UFC, I think it was, what, 300 people or 200 people that they needed to to put that event on on Saturday night? You know, you're going to have – and they did. And they had to plan a course of action, and it it worked. But uh, our poll question, which is up for today, is focused on the baseball again. And the owners and the Players Association met yesterday for the issues surrounding the season. And our question is, if the season were to be canceled over money – who would look worse in your eyes? Would it be the players or would it be 
the owners. Uh, at least so far, and maybe this will change, most people are saying that it's the players. And it's funny to me, we played the clip of Mark Teixeira saying yesterday that the owner's proposal of a 50-50 split is not unreasonable. And the amount of reaction that that got, visceral reaction, disagreeing with Mark. Oh, oh, it's okay for Mark Teixeira to say that. He's made $200 million. What does that have to do with anything? What What does it have to do with what Mark Teixeira made in his career? He's absolutely right. And what's good about Mark Teixeira is, especially in baseball, former players always side with the players. Here's Mark Teixeira looking at something with, you know, with, with credibility of someone who played the game and has been in those kind of meetings during, you know, labor discussions or labor negotiations. So he has that point of view of it, but he can also take a step back and look at it as, you know, a media member, a fan, as just a person with a brain. If the owners put out a proposal of a 50-50 split, given with what we're going through right now, given with what we've already been through, what we're still going through, what we'll continue to go through, the unemployment, the situation, the, the just the, the general sense in the country, and if, the, if things were not to take place this year in baseball because the, 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 the negotiations, the labor negotiations could not work out on money, I mean, it's pretty clear most people are going to blame the players. Now, I'm not saying that there's good guys or bad guys here. I'm not telling you that if the the players don't take this specific proposal, well, they're just being greedy. But I agree with Mark Teixeira. What baseball is presenting, considering what they're looking at in terms of a financial loss, I don't think is unreasonable. And anybody who is portraying it as, well, no, they should get their full. Well, look, nobody's getting their full amount. Nobody's getting their full contract. So saying, no, they should get every single penny. Well, no, they're not going to be getting every single penny. And there's at least a good possibility if they push too hard, they might not be getting any pennies. But it's funny, anytime that there's a labor dispute, people always have to pick sides. And again, I'm not saying that there's good guys or bad guys here. And plenty of people will rail against the owners. And I do think that there is some hypocrisy from from Rob Manfred and from the owners themselves talking about, you know, we need to do this for America. This is about healing the country. Well, yes, but you're also you're not doing it for those reasons. You're doing it because you're in business and you're looking to make money. It's not about healing the country. I'm sure maybe there is an aspect of it, but that's not the primary goal. But there's a lot of times where these things pop up and media people will say, you know, I can't understand why people would side with billionaire or the billionaire over the millionaire. Well, I don't think that anyone anywhere is saying, you know what? I can really see where the owner is coming. Nobody is saying that. Nobody's really siding with him. But I think that the main thing of why people, and I guess I'm probably siding more with the owners here than the players, is because in all parts of our lives, or at some point in our lives, we've all worked for a boss and we disagree with the boss on things, right? And I think we've all at some point probably put up with working conditions that you disagree with. 
So for most of us, at some point, your only real decision is, do you want to work this place or not? So I think that that's why a lot of times people side with the owners, because in life, in employment, unless you're the boss, the boss makes the rules. So I think that that's why most people kind of – not that they side with the, the, the owners or they side with the billionaires, but why they criticize the players more. They have a relationship, even if it's a, if it's not a direct relationship, right? It's, it's a relationship they have with the players. They know the players. They know the faces. Those are the guys they root. They have no relationship with the owners. So it's not necessarily about siding with the owners. It's more about siding against the players. Now – I don't think that there's any bad guys, but if Major League Baseball players do reject the plan for the 50-50 split and there's no baseball because of the financial issues, there's no way around it. Most people are going to view them as greedy. It's unfair, maybe. I can understand that. They have already given some concessions about, you know, going with the prorated uh, amount uh, of their, of their salaries and their contracts. But again, with what the country's going through right now, what unemployment is going to be, and, and the chance, right? The stage all to yourself and blowing it. I, I don't see how there's any way that people aren't going to blame the players. Now, maybe this is just the PR battle and the owners were smart by getting that, that, that report out there ahead of the game of saying a 50-50 split. How can you be against a 50-50 split? We all have to come together, and a 50-50 split is as fair as you can have. So maybe it won't come down to money. It's hard to know, right? It, it seems like every day. And yesterday, maybe the best example of it, you have one report that Arizona, the governor of Arizona, is opening things up for sports. I think it's on Saturday. Then, like, I, I feel like it was 25 seconds later, I saw a report, California, going to be shut down till August. <laughs> Our, maybe my geography is not that good. Aren't Arizona and, and California somewhat close together? I know there's probably some states in there but in between, but, I mean, they're fairly close, no? You could drive from California to Arizona in a day. Maybe that's not true. Maybe, I, maybe I'm off on that one. My geography is not always the best, but... Every day it feels like there's these contract, these, these, you see one report and you're like, okay, all right, that's not so bad. And then you see another thing and it's like, oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. So if the NBA, which we let off with, does return and Major League Baseball doesn't, my advice for Major League Baseball would be grab the steroids, boys, because how you ever recover from that long term, boy, oh boy, I don't think you could ever recover from that long term. If they were to shut down the season because of money and the NBA, which is in a, a much worse time period for them trying to recover, I don't see how Major League Baseball would ever recover. And there's been some talk that the NBA, when they do eventually move forward and we do eventually get back to life as normal, if <laughs> assuming we do, that they will feel much more comfortable scheduling their season to go up against Major League Baseball than the NFL uh, I think that that's a very good chance that they would overtake the, uh, the for Major League Baseball for good. Like it, it, there was some, you know, it kind of fluctuates a little bit about what's the second biggest sport. But the, the black eye that Major League Baseball would give itself if it can't put together a plan 
based on the financial, the things within their control, uh, I think would be probably the worst thing that they could ever do. Even worse than 94. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, moment of inspiration. I have a possible submission for Sportsman of the Year, which I think everybody should agree with. And the continuation. There have been two issues that I've had with The Last Dance. And it's not major things. I love it. I'm watching it. I'm going to be sad on Sunday when it's over. But to me, there are two big fallacies of The Last Dance and no pushback on either of those fallacies. And one of them really is starting to annoy me because it's continuing. And I heard it yesterday on the K Show. It was on SportsCenter last night with uh, Scott Van Pelt. So we'll get into that too. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Oh yes, your moment of inspiration for this Wednesday, Tua Tungavailoa, don't know if you know, Dolphins quarterback. Signed his contract yesterday, and uh, look, I was not a fan of the pick because I don't feel like that's the time to to be risking a top-five pick on, you'd have to say, the riskiest quarterback to be drafted in the top-five, certainly in recent time, in the last, I would say, 10 years, easily, if not a lot longer than that. But if my, I would always rather... Be happy than right. So I am not a fan of the move. But if it turns out that Tua turns out to be the franchise quarterback that all these people who have nothing invested in the Dolphins told them they have to take this guy, even though they don't, I don't think that they really have any idea of the risk that the team is actually taking. If it does turn out that he is a fantastic, well, then I will be more than happy to be wrong. No problem with it. And if my math is correct today, makes it 20 straight days that he has been a Dolphin and has not been hurt once. 20 days in a row. Feeling really good about it. Feeling really, really good about it. What else I'm feeling good about? A couple of things. Did you see the picture of CC Sabathia? I'm assuming it's a it's a recent picture. It's taking it took place in the last week or so, if not in the last day or so. He has easily lost 50, 60 pounds. I had to laugh. They said that when he was pitching, he was at 300. CC's like six eight. He was more than 300. So I don't know how much weight he has actually lost, but it has to be at least 60 pounds. So if if that's a current picture. If that picture took place during quarantine, during the pandemic, I suggest to you, CC Sabathia should be an early submission for Sportsman of the Year. Sports Illustrated should name CC Sabathia as their Sportsman of the Year for 2020. First off, it looks like a very good possibility we're not going to have any sportsmen of 2020, right? Like all the, all the early submissions are the only ones we're going to be getting for the year because it doesn't seem like there's all that many sports. If baseball doesn't come back, if the NBA doesn't, as things currently stand 
at what time is it right now? 5.40 on May 13th. C.C. Sabathia, a man who has had issues with his weight, issues with food choices, issues with portion control, I would say. To be able to lose that amount of weight during quarantine? That's insane. All I'm doing right now is eating, and I'm not making healthy choices. Yesterday, not proud to admit it, but I'll admit it. Yesterday, one of the things that I've liked about being able to work from home is I'm able to give my kids breakfast in the morning. So yesterday, they both agreed they wanted Lucky Charms, right? They love Lucky Charms. So I pour the, you know, give them bowls of Lucky Charms. Both kids don't eat Lucky Charms with milk. What is wrong with you? They just eat it dry. What's, I mean, what the? But yesterday, after giving them Lucky Charms, I do, I was just standing at the pantry, just grabbing handfuls of Lucky Charms right out of the box, firing them right into my mouth. Not in a bowl, like a human, just standing by the pantry, just handful after handful. Without milk. Without milk. No, if I, well, see, the thing is, when you're an adult, and Brian, you're still young enough where this is not an issue for you. Okay. But when you get to be 35, 40 years old, and, and, and the weight doesn't come off as quickly. You, you, you delude yourself into thinking that if you eat the food while you're standing up, especially next to where the food is kept, either the fridge or the pantry, the calories don't count. They oh, don't, those the calories trick. don't count if you eat it. If you sit down and you pour yourself a bowl of milk in the, the syrup, well, then that's a, that's a meal. But if you're just standing next to the pantry, firing it like an animal, like an absolute savage, just sticking it right in your mouth. Those calories don't don't even count. And this is not even considering the other poor food decisions that I have been making. My panic snack in the mid-afternoon, just eating chocolate for no reason. I'm I'm sorry, for CeCe Sabathia, who has had a long history, I mean, I think it's pretty well documented. He loved his uh, Captain Crunch during his playing days. He's not only stayed off the captain crunch, I mean, he should be sportsman of the year. Losing weight at 40 is tough. During a pandemic, that's in the weight loss hall of fame. Another thing that I think that uh, needs to be mentioned. So the last dance has been fantastic, right? And we are now down to the final two episodes, which will air on Sunday. But this past week, there have been two fallacies and not that they're major issues i'm still loving the documentary i'm still watching it i'll be watching it on 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 sunday night but two things have popped up a the idea that michael jordan's leadership style and the fact that that's what was needed to lift the bulls to the heights that they attained that i mean that's ridiculous the reason that they were the best is because they had michael jordan (laughs) There's a reason why you're doing a documentary series mainly about Michael Jordan, and it would have been about Michael Jordan and whatever team he played on. If if the Portland Trailblazers had drafted Michael Jordan, he would have still been great, and they still would have won, and and, and that's the story. And the impact of having Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. That's And if you want to add the other people, okay, fine. But primarily, it was about having Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. That's the main reason they were successful. So to think that if Michael Jordan wasn't punching Steve Kerr in the face and chewing out Jed Bushler 
or um, Scott Burrell, that they wouldn't have been as successful. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The other thing that I continue to hear is that when Michael Jordan went to play minor league baseball, if he had stuck with it, he would have made the major leagues. Here's Terry Francona, Indians manager, on last night on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt. I think even if the way he did do it, if he'd have been willing to commit three years, I think he'd have found his way to the major leagues. I really believe that. One, because of the, some of the tools he had. But the other one, and maybe more important, and I found out firsthand, when you tell Michael no, he finds a way to make the answer be yes. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. He is really good at that. Okay. Uh, here is David Cohn on the Michael K show yesterday. Probably so. Yes. I mean, uh, what level or, you know, whether it was a fourth outfielder or, I mean, we almost saw Tim Tebow do it. I mean, he, he played in AAA. So Jordan was that kind of athlete. He had that kind of speed. When you look at his numbers, uh, he had 30 stolen bases. You know, he could do some things. Whether or not he could have played good enough defense to really been by, to be viable as a major league outfielder would have remained to be seen. But, yeah, he, he could have, he, he certainly could have made a showing on the big league level. Uh, how successful he would have been is certainly still up, up for grabs. All right, so there's David Cohn. All due respect, David Cohn knows more, way more baseball than I do. Terry Francona, as I said yesterday, has forgotten more baseball on a random Tuesday than I will ever have. And certainly both have way more experience about what it takes to be in the major leagues because both were in the major leagues. With all due respect, their points, I think that they're just trying to be nice to Michael Jordan, who's amazing. But I, I don't think either one's actual opinion here is correct. Unless you're talking about, as David Cohen was kind of alluding to, you bring Michael Jordan to the majors because he'll sell a lot of T-shirts. Like, did he have the ability to actually perform in the major leagues as a legitimate player? There is nothing that he displayed that would tell you that he would have eventually made the major leagues as a legitimate player. Terry Francona saying that if Michael had spent three more years, he would have been 34. He would have been 34 years old. How many 34-year-olds make the major leagues? How many people, after four years in the minors, make the major leagues? I would say it has to be in the single digits in percentages. Now, don't get it screwy. I'm not saying what he did in the minors was... Not amazing to be able to do what he did at the age of 31 after not playing for what, 12, 13 years? That's incredible. That is truly remarkable. That does not, and this is the same thing about Tim Tebow. For Tim Tebow to be able to perform even at the level that he has is absolutely amazing. That does not, that does not then mean that he deserves to make the major leagues or is on the track to make the major league. If Tim Tebow makes the major leagues, it will be for one reason and one reason only. It's because he's really famous and he would sell a lot of merchandise. So that's not going to happen anytime soon because there's nobody there to buy the merchandise. I guess you could still buy it on the MLB.com or whatnot. Michael Jordan's numbers, impressive for what they were, right? Like the fact that he's 31 years old. He hit 202. He had an on-base percentage of 289. A slugging of 266. So zero power whatsoever. Now the fact he was able to hit three home runs is incredibly impressive. That does not mean he was on the track 
I don't care how many years he would have played. And with all due respect, telling Michael Jordan he couldn't do something in a basketball sense on the court, absolutely. That would motivate him to be able to overcome. That's not true of any uh, any uh, uh, thing at all. Go tell Michael Jordan he can't make the senior tour on the PGA. Great. You can tell him it to you blue in the face. He's not going to make the senior tour in the PGA. Go tell him he can't lead a team to a championship as an NBA owner. I'm sure plenty of people have told him that, and that has not had any impact on him improving at all. Even the things that people cite as being positives. Well, you know, he stole 30 bases. He got caught 18 times. That's a terrible percentage. He was not a great base stealer. He struck out 114 times in 500 plate appearances. Basically, 25% of his at-bats, he was striking out. So he could have played for another three years, five years, ten years. The odds that Michael Jordan, no matter how much he had stuck with Major League Baseball, he was not going to be a baseball player. He just wouldn't have been. I mean, it's ridiculous. He couldn't field the position. He couldn't hit. He struck out all the time. Even his great speed, that was something that teams were getting away from. You know, the, 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 the Cardinals of the 80s weren't, didn't exist in the 90s. He was not going to make the major leagues. That is a complete fallacy that he was on some track or would have over time been good enough to make Major League Baseball. Come on, stop. He's ama- Can he just be amazing for what he was? doesn't have to be amazing in everything. He was not an amazing leader. He was a great player, and the NBA is a league where if you're a great player, you're able to overcome other things. He didn't need to be a great leader. And he was not a great baseball player, and he would not have, his stats did not predict that he would have, if stuck with it, he had the abilities to play in the major leagues. I'm sorry. So I was listening to the K show yesterday. And I, you know me. I am someone who brings people together. I, I'm a uniter. I'm not a divider. Despite what some people would lead you to believe. But I was, I was listening. I guess it was five o'clock. Don does his top five. And yesterday they were focusing on the top five Frank Costanza moments. And I thought Don absolutely nailed it with number one. Number one was the one that we played yesterday, the Jay Buhner clip. How could you trade Jay Buhner? That one. And he had that as number one, which would not be, in terms of popular culture, that's probably not the one that resonates with the most amount of people. You have to have a very specific you know, viewpoint as a sports fan, as a Yankee fan, to really get that one. I think the ones that resonate more broadly are obviously Festivus, and uh, Serenity Now, those two clips, I think, if you were going to say the most popular ones of of, of, of people just broadly interviewed or, 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 or polled, those would be the two most popular ones. But I could not believe, and maybe I'm wrong, I, mean, I did not hear what number five was, but I could not believe that Don did not have the chicken debate as one of his top five. The chicken debate is the class. I mean, that to me, that's probably, for just me, it's easily number two. I could see maybe three or four. It's got to be top five. What's the chicken debate? It's this. 
Let me understand. You got the hen, the chicken, and the rooster. The rooster goes with the chicken. So who's having sex with the hen? <laughs> Talk about it another time. But you see my point here? You only hear of a hen, a rooster, and a chicken. Something's missing. Something's missing, all right. <laughs> They're all chickens. The rooster has sex with all of them. <laughs> That's perverse. So have you seen Firestorm? Firestorm, that's a hell of a picture. I don't understand how Don didn't have that on top. Maybe it was just over oversight. Maybe it was rushed. I don't know. I don't know what the other choices that he had. I heard four. I did not hear five, so maybe it's possibly did have it as number five. Um, all right, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Just to kind of recap things. We get you ready for Golic and Wingo, and Trey Wingo will be on with uh, the K Show today. It is Wednesday. Our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, focused on the uh, Major League Baseball negotiations about uh, the proposal to play and what has gotten most of the focus has been about the owner's proposal of a 50-50 revenue split and the players basically saying that that's a non-starter. So our poll question today is, if the season were canceled over money, not about the other things, which is certainly possible as well, but if it were canceled over money, if the owners and players came out and said, you know what, we're just not able to strike a deal on the financials, who would look worse? And i got to be honest, I'm surprised, at least so far, most people are in agreement with me, or I guess I'm in more uh, most agreement with uh, most people. The players would look worse. But the owners, and it might just be a PR move to get out there in front of it and, and float this idea out there, but it's a pretty good one to to say, here's the deal. We're going to split revenues 50-50. And Mark Deshera's right to put that out there, given the current environment, is not an unreasonable proposal. So you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. I've also said that uh, CC Sabathia, given his weight loss during the global pandemic, that deserves Sportsman of the Year. At least consideration. It should be a candidate. That would be the one that I would pick. And maybe in a normal year, it wouldn't be getting any consideration at all. But this is not obviously a normal year. I, are we already out of time? We're already out of time. That's going to do it for the show for today. We'll be back tomorrow, starting at 5 o'clock. More fun and frivolity then. See you tomorrow at 5. Please vote on the poll question. We'll be back then. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. See you tomorrow. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.